Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. You guys are in for a treat today, especially if you are in the market for either upgrading your hunting or backpacking pack, or maybe you are just looking to get started into something, but you don't really know exactly how big of a pack you need, how it's supposed to fit, or what your frame size should be. Today, I am joined by Joe Elliston. He is a co-founder of Initial Ascent, and in this episode together, we talk about pack fitting choosing the size that's right for you, as well as choosing a bag that will fit your needs for expedition style or just day hunting or hiking. Joe is a wealth of knowledge, and I really enjoy just hearing his story and the origin behind Initial Ascent. They are doing great things and really catering to women in the outdoor space as well. Tune in, and I think that you're really going to enjoy today's episode with Joe Elliston of Initial Ascent. Now, one more thing that I want to bring to your attention, and it happened after the recording of this episode, uh, and it's something that I've talked a lot about on social media. Recently, my social media page was canceled by Instagram. A day later, my Facebook page with all of my business accounts was canceled as well. This is something that I'm seeing happening quite commonly across the board on social media, and the only common denominator I've been able to find is that we are hunters. I will not be silenced by this and I'm going to build back bigger, better and stronger than ever with a community of people that shares my same passions and uh, sentiments for sharing our passions for the outdoors. Uh, So if you uh, have not been seeing me online, you can go to my new page, which is Her Outdoor Journey 2.0. That is where I will continue to rebuild and you will not hear the end of this yet. I'm going to be talking Talking about this as well as I've called into local uh, legislators to talk about the fact that we are being silenced as hunters, which if you share my same sentiments, you can probably understand that is because there is a bigger agenda behind what's going on. Please trust me when I say this is not the end of this conversation. I will be following up in an upcoming podcast episode with a friend and a fellow hunter who was also recently shut down without no rhyme or reason. We will circle back to this, but for now, here we go. This show, hands down, could not happen without the amazing support of some incredible companies. Let's take a word from today's sponsors. With the most technically advanced barrel manufacturing techniques, state-of-the-art machinery, and an unwavering commitment to quality, Bagara has become the barrel source of numerous top-tier gun manufacturers in both Europe and the United States. Bagara is producing a full line of precision firearms engineered and built to showcase the performance capabilities of their world-class barrels. At their core, Bagara believes that a precision firearm requires not only the best components, but also an assembly process that is carried out by individuals who are the best of the best at their craft. Whether you're a backcountry hunter and want a rifle that doesn't compromise accuracy for weight, a long-range competition shooter, or just looking to get started with your first rifle, Bagara has something for everyone. 
head to begara.online.com to take a look now. That's B-E-R-G-A-R-A dot O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. Sawyer offers family-friendly insect repellent for your skin, clothing, and gear. Protect yourself and your loved ones from disease-carrying ticks and mosquitoes before your next adventure. Whether you're an expecting mother or using around your favorite four-legged friends, Sawyer has an insect repellent option to keep you protected. In fact, a 2017 study found by treating your boots and socks alone with permethrin, you can reduce your chances of a tick bite by 73.6%. Don't wait until it's too late. Head to Sawyer.com to take a look at their entire line of products. That's Sawyer.com. So last night, I'm actually laying in bed and I'm thinking to myself, don't start the podcast like you have for all other 91 episodes, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Soul Summit Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Joe Elliston of Initial Ascent. Super excited to have this conversation. Uh, really looking forward to picking your brain about PACs and just getting to know you a little bit more, but welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Courtney. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, excited to be able to have a chance to sit here and catch up with you and get to know you a bit and talk a little bit about something that obviously I love, which is PACs. So looking forward to it. So give us a little backstory on who Joe is, first of all, and then we're going to dive into all things Initial Ascent and PACS. Yes, I mean, I um, I grew up in the Midwest, so I was, you know, I like to say I'm a flatliner because I, I, I grew up in Kansas. And, you know, back there, certainly don't have the mountains that we have out here in Idaho where I live today. Um, you know, so my background, you know, from an early age hunting or gun safety has always been something that's just been a part of who we are. You know, we were raised around it. Um, my dad, you know, was involved in Cub Scouts and my dad, you know, taught hunter safety, hunter safety courses. And back then when he taught it, it was actually a two day field class. And they had, I can remember they had different types of fences set up and, you know, they had different shooting scenarios set up and it was just a real hands-on approach. And I just, I fell in love with hunting at an early age. So it's just, it's just something I've always been around. It's just, it's part of who I am. So, um, but back in Kansas growing up, it was mostly bird hunting, right. Or waterfowl hunting is really what, what I fell in love with because you had easy access to that. So, um, but you know, short story grew up there, um, did all the things that kids do, whether that's sports, whether that's hunting, fishing, um, and then ended up uh, moving out west in about 20, well, 1996, actually, and bounced around for a company, Black & Decker, uh, did a lot of different roles for them, from, went from Kansas to Vegas to Ohio to Vegas up to Idaho, and um, had an opportunity to just work with some absolutely amazing people you know, over the last 26 years and just learned a great deal and worked with some fantastic brands. Um, but you know, once I moved up here to Idaho, 
my passion for the outdoors and really backpacking. I hadn't done a ton of backpacking, but my passion for backpacking just exploded. I, I, I remember doing my very first overnight backpacking trip and I'd never done it before. Um, borrowed a friend's pack. I didn't even own a pack at the time. My kids were just tiny and we did, there was two other dads and we did uh, man's camp and we took the boys. I think we had a total of seven boys that we took and that became every single year what we did with those boys as they grew up. And that just fueled my passion to spend that quality time with my kids in the back country. And it was just like, okay, God's landscape just became enormous. And I'd never seen some stuff like that before. So that's what kind of started me down the path of, of getting out experiencing the outdoors here in Idaho, um, which led to then getting back into the hunting scene and starting to do Western style hunting. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it's something that's, you know, and I know Courtney, you're, you're probably similar. If you're not out there doing it, you, you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. It's just, it's something that's, it's just a part of who you are. It's your DNA. So yeah, that's a little bit of background on who I am. Um, you know, we've been here since 2004 in Idaho and, um, it's home where we just, we just love it out here. It's just fantastic. Idaho is pretty wonderful. It's humbling too. I, I've been there hunting elk a few times, uh, bow hunting. And every time I think I go into it in relatively like good physical condition and I get there and I'm like, damn it, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make the cut. And I, and I struggle the entire time, but, uh, I kind of consider myself some, to some degree, a flatlander as well. I live at 500 feet, uh, here in, here in Sitka now I'm like at sea level. So I spend a lot of my time down at sea level and then I go up and get my butt kicks in the mountains pretty often. But, um, I do think it's quite an advantage for the Western hunters specifically, or for athletes to be able to have a little bit more of that elevation for their baseline. But, uh, I'm curious. So for one, kudos for you and those three dads, you know, the three of you taking seven kiddos into the, into the backpacking mountains. That's pretty cool. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to know, were there any like major, like, Oh yeah, I never thought about this element or I never thought I would need this gear piece because something that I've found and something that I hear kind of echoed back to me is that you'll get out there. You think you have everything, maybe even went through a gear list. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I don't have that essential thing to make this mm-hmm. a more uh, comfortable backpacking trip or backcountry hunting trip. So were there any of those initial pieces for you? So I would tell you honestly, Courtney, when I first started backpacking, I had no clue. You know, I really had no idea what to bring. So I brought everything, including the kitchen sink. <laughs> I think that, that first pack out, we were there for a two-day hunt. I mean, a two-day hike in with, with the dads. And we were I was like 87 pounds. I mean, it was just insane how much weight I carried in for for such a short amount of time. So I would say, you know, since then, you know, that was an aha moment coming out. You know, I was, you know, twice as wide on the backside as I was, you know, across my back. And um, over time, I just, you know, that that started the steps to say, okay, there's got to be a better way. And Mm -hmm. from there, it just, you know, and it's hard, you know, when you're first starting out to go out and purchase a lot of the high end quality Mm -hmm. gear, because you know, to reduce the weight, you're going to have to, you know, most likely you're going to have to spend more money to be able to do that because mm-hmm. of the cost to do it. So over time, I've gradually, you know, built my, 
you know, my arsenal, if you will, around high quality, low weight, you know, as much as possible. Um, but there are a few things that I will not go in the back country without. And people laugh at me, but earplugs, I will not go in the back country without earplugs because I have to sleep with earplugs in at night in the back country. I'm just, my brain just doesn't stop. Um, so, so that's a, a critical element for me. Got to have a pillow. You know, that's oh, yeah. a must have. Got to have a pillow. So, mm-hmm. um, but it just, it, you know, it depends on what I'm hunting, right? It's, it's going to vary as to what gear goes in my pack, depending on the style of hunting or where we're hunting, you know, the animal that we're hunting. Um, but number one, earplugs. Go. <laughs> I love it. Number two, a pillow. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you bring up a really good point too, because there's this place where I almost feel like getting into something like backpacking can be almost a deterrent in itself. Because like you said, the good gear that's going to keep you comfortable or dry or those things are going to be more pricey. And so if you're going out initially saying like, I might have a decent pair of boots and the right clothes to wear, but I have to buy a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, a pillow, a pack, you know, those things in itself, you're looking, you could be spending a thousand bucks right there and just those, you know, few pieces. And if you go into a backpacking situation with, uh, too much weight, or a pack that's just going to kill your back, you're probably not going to be super inspired to continue to go. And I think, and I think that's something that a lot of people face is in fact, um, I did a 28 mile, uh, hike in with a girlfriend uh, a couple summers ago and I just called her. She's so amazing. I called her with like 15 minutes notice. And I said, Hey, I got a wild hair right now. I want to go and do a marathon in the mountains. Do you want to go? And she's like, yep. And, um, so I, I threw my pack together and a couple, you know, dehydrated meal or two and a jet boil and, uh, no tent. We just, you know, bivvied out and just laid on the ground. And, um, she had just a kind of a crappy old hand-me-down hunting pack and her bedroll was like slapping her on the butt the whole way up the mountain, you know, cause it was hanging off the bottom cause she just didn't have yeah. enough space. And, you know, it was fun. We had a good time, but if you go in there, um, without the right equipment, it can really change the experience. And for some people, I think that that can keep you from going again. No question about it. No question. I think, you know, people ask me all the time, what's the most important gear to get? And in my opinion, boots, first and foremost, hands down. In, in my opinion, it's the number one gear you have to have, right? And you know what? And we've, a lot of people have gone through it where we all skimp at the beginning and, and for the right reasons, right? You know, financially, but you're going to pay way more in the long run after you try a little bit better boot, a little bit better boot, a little bit better boot. You know, I firmly believe it's just best to eat it once, you know, early on and, you know, you know, get the right boot because it, you're going to save money long time. You're, and to your point, you're going to enjoy your expedition so much more, your hunts more, your outings. Um, and then I would say seconds packs because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be comfortable carrying that gear or otherwise it's not fun, right? Mm-hmm. If you're rubbing raw spots on the backside and you're bloody, who wants to go do that again, mm-hmm. right? That's not something that people put up on their top 10 list. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely important. And I think, you know, what I would encourage people to do is take it in bite sizes, right? Understand that you've got, there's, there's a lot of gear and you, you could go broke on gear. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I would say, you know, Dennis, 
who's the other owner of Initial Scent. Um, he's a gear junkie to the 10th degree. The guy's got more gear than most people will have in a lifetime. And, um, you know, people can, can really get wrapped up in, in, in a lot of gear. But just, just like eating, you know, people say, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Same mm-hmm. thing with the gear. One piece at a time. And that's kind of how I started off early on. Just like, hey, I'm going to really spend time and research my boots. I'm going to really spend time and research my pack and sleeping pad, sleeping system, and things like that. So that would I would encourage people to look at it maybe from that perspective. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I uh, seasonally am the Pacific Northwest sales for Maven Optics, and oh, yeah. I have that same conversation a lot of times with, you know, I don't care if you end up buying Mavens. You just have to understand that you you get what you pay for most of the time and if you if you come in under what you really want or what you really need you're going to just spend more money to then upgrade to what you really should have got in the first place and yeah. you know that that can be hard to explain to people but i think once you have one of those experiences where you get out there and you've got blisters all over your feet or your pack like you said is rubbing your raw or killing your lumbar spine like you go yeah maybe i should have just got what i needed in the first place yeah absolutely absolutely and it becomes such a more enjoyable experience then for folks it does so I'm interested to know, there are a lot of pack companies. Um, there's several good pack companies. And I just have to ask you as a, as one of the co-founders of this company, like at what point did you go, we've got to do this better? Yeah. What was that moment for you? Yeah. So, um, my personality, my DNA, I am always looking at how do I make things better? I mean, that's just, that's just how I, I'm wired, whether that's the sales organizations that I've been involved in, whether that's different ideas. So Dennis and I had a lot of different packs and, you know, we just, we would, we, we started hunting together and we started swapping stories as to, Hey, I like this, or I like that, or I don't like this. And, you know, I'm not a super tall guy, you know, on a good day, I'm five, six, and it's hard to find a pack that would fit a smaller torso. Um, and just a smaller structure in general. So we tried everything on and on and on. While all this was going on, we were also going to the Western Hunt Expo every year. Our two families, it was just a tradition. We went down there and we spent, you know, the weekend down there and just, you know, kind of fell in love with it. <laughs> and um, so over a course, so this would have been probably around 20, 2013, 2014, 15, something like that. We were going, it was just like, man, we kept seeing packs there. I was like, man, if they just did this, or if they just did that. And finally, I mean, Dennis and I, we were in a small group together, men's group. And I remember we were standing out in the parking lot talking. I think we had a bear hunt coming up. And I said, oh, did you see this on such and such pack? I said, what if we just flip this around? You can make a chair, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, man, you ought to do that. And I'm like, we ought to do that. And it was just kind of a high level discussion, right? It wasn't anything other than a conversation. So then fast forward to around 2015, we're at the expo and we're walking. And finally, it was just like Dennis, I just, we were talking like, we were both just like, we could do this and we could do it better. And that's what started it. It was just finally saying, we can do this. Now, neither one of us have an engineering background, right? Neither one of us have any of the understandings of, at the time, how to build frames, how to build packs, et cetera. But we just had a desire to say, hey, you know what? It can be done better. If mm-hmm. we're experiencing these issues, other people have to be as well. Mm-hmm. 
So we started down in 2015, down a path, we're working with Boise State, and we literally just said they have an engineering department that um, at the time, you could hire the, the, uh, the, the engineers and then they had students as well involved. We just white sheeted it and said, hey, we don't care what the material is. Let's, let's go through them all. And we spent about a year and a half working with them. And they took us to a point where we had a workable model. Mm-hmm. And then about this time, Dennis and I, this would have been 2016, Dennis and I were headed to New Zealand to go on, you know, an epic type hunt. We we're going to hunt stag, tar, etc. And um, we made the decision: we're going to take our pack. We're going to take at least our frame on this hunt, and no others. Well, this thing had never been proven, never been tested, nothing. So Dennis had a makeshift one. I had a makeshift. I had somebody else's hip belt, somebody else's shoulder strap. I mean, we piecemealed this thing together, but we were going to test that frame. And so we got over there, and I remember I, I shot a stag. And that was the first animal that we packed out on our quote, you know, frame. Cause we really feel like we had to get the frame and suspension, right. Mm-hmm. Right. We knew that was a critical foundation without that, the comfort that we talked about just wouldn't come together. So, um, after that trip and Dennis killed his stag and we packed, we killed several other animals that we were able to harvest over there. We got back and we were like, okay, we've got something here. And from there we ended up working with another engineering firm that took it to another point. And then we ended up working with a third engineering firm. So now fast forward to 2017, we're at the expo. And we had been very active building what we were building, but I kind of snuck away and we've been talking about it. So it wasn't like I just went and did this behind Dennis's back, (laughs) but I snuck away to registration and I put a credit card down for a uh, 10 by 20 booth. And I came back to Dennis. I said, we got one year to figure this out. At that time, all we had was a prototype frame. So in 12 months, we took that concept to 14 generations later of design to a new bag design, which we had all these thoughts, you know, we'd been working on for years and years, but we brought it all together and we launched the company February 8th, 2018 at the Western Hunt Expo. So cool. Talk about living on faith right there. Yeah. A lot of prayer. (laughs) That's so cool. That's so cool. So what has been, I mean, first of all, I want to just for people that might not understand, what is the difference between frame and suspension? Sure. So the frame itself, so like in our system, we have a carbon fiber composite blended frame. So it's not just carbon. There's other materials. There's actually 14 different layers that go into our frame. Um, And we, we, we use those different materials in different ways with carbon fiber. I mean, I've learned so much about carbon fiber. It's it's such an amazing product, but you're able to direction the, the materials, the, the fibers in a certain way to reinforce it. Um, and we build it up in certain areas where it's more stress, but the frame itself it attaches into the suspension. So when I say suspension, that's going to be your shoulder straps, it's going to be your hip belt, and that's going to be your frame. That system right there is critical to being able to give you the support to be comfortable to carry heavy loads when you're out in the backcountry. Well, and those are the direct pieces that are contacting your body. So yeah, those have to be comfortable with enough support, with enough structure that it's not going to, you're not going to have to fight it with a big lean forward or any of those things. And that was actually something that I initially immediately went, whoa, this is different. Um, I got the, the IA6K 
and Mm -hmm. I threw some weight in it. I mean, I didn't even open it up and like play around with it. I just started throwing weight in it and I put it on my back and, um, I've packed a lot of weight around and, uh, having a back injury my entire life, Mm -hmm. pretty much since high school. Um, it can be incredibly uncomfortable. In fact, I still can't feel my big toes, either one of them from uh, a sheep hunt three years ago. And so, you know, I'm like, this is the, you know, I've got to move around, get some weight and see what this feels like. And immediately I was like, wow, this is different. This carries so much differently. And granted I'm at home on fairly even terrain, you know, but still there was such a difference in putting that on for me. And, um, I was pretty impressed. I'm still just packing weight around and going like, wow, I'm standing different than I used to with my other pack. And, uh, so that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, I'm curious to know too, and this is one of the most common questions that I hear and, and, uh, get online. How do you know what is the right, uh, frame size for you? Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's a common, common question. And, you know, one size fits all is not real. I mean, everybody's different. You're different than I. You know, our torso lengths are different. So when we launched the company, we launched it with the uh, Integris frame, which really is built off of a platform of 17 inches or greater for a torso length. And, you know, we realized early on when we were at the shows, and we did a bunch of shows at the beginning of those first couple of years, but we had so many people, females coming up to the booth and they would try a pack on, right? And the pack would be riding up here. And they would say, well, it's just like every other pack, right? Because it just was not designed for a shorter torso. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew early on that at some point we wanted to be able to fill that void and come up with something. So we did. We created our our shorter frame, um, the Invictus frame, which really is from 13 inches up to 17 inches for the torso length. So that's one of the things that we really preach to people is we want to make sure that the pack fits them perfectly to the best that we can. We can really try to customize that fit. So we have a pack fitting video that's on our website. I'd encourage anybody to go check it out, whether it's our pack or anybody's. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll help you try to fit your pack, but it'll show you how to measure your torso length. And then if somebody were to order a pack from us, they can just put a note in the note section. Hey, my torso is you know, 16 and a half inches. We will custom fit that pack. So when it leaves our doors, it's 16 and a half inches and it'll show up and it's ready to go on the mountain for them. Um, but that's a key element is being able to do that. The other thing that we really teach people, and we have a complete pack fitting video as well that I would encourage people to watch. Again, who's ever pack you're using, go watch it. It'll help your pack yeah. fit better. Um, but we tell people, put a minimum of 30 pounds in the pack, right? A, a pack that's empty is going to ride up, right? As soon as you put some weight, it's going to come down. So we say put at least 30 pounds in there. Get in kind of a specific athletic stance, kind of shrug your shoulders a bit, tighten your hip belt first, get that to settle where you want it on the hips, where it needs to, right? And then work your way up the body. And if you follow that kind of process from bottoms up, then things are going to settle and fit in the pockets where they're supposed to. And we go into, we go into more detail in the video, but you know, people just typically um, assume that the pack is going to fit them. Well, it's not unless you make the adjustments. Hopefully the pack that they have gives them the flexibility to make those mm-hmm. adjustments. If it doesn't, then then yeah, it's it's time to definitely look for something else because you got to be able to make those adjustments. Two quick questions I have. Could you describe to me how somebody would measure their torso length? Where are those reference sure. points? Yeah, great question. So 
Um, what you want to do is you, you want to think about if you kind of bend your, your head forward, we have this bone that kind of protrudes out. It's a C7. And in essence, that call that the starting point, right? And you probably might need somebody to help you do this. But if you, unless you got real flexible shoulders, which I don't. <laughs> so you start up there and then think about the top of your hip bones on both sides. So if you can kind of put your thumbs on the top of your hip bones and then just bring a straight line across on your back. So top of your hip bone, straight line across from the C7 down to that point. If you can just measure that distance, that's, that's going to be your torso length. And if, if people, you know, can learn that, then they can work with the pack manufacturer if they can make those adjustments for them, um, or they can go in and just start tweaking it, try to figure out. We have a, we have a system on ours where we know exactly, okay, if it's an inch and a half, it's, it's this, if it's two inches, it's this, if it's four inches, it's this. So we can quickly make those adjustments for, for folks. The other thing I would tell people too is, is when you're fitting a pack, I hear a lot of people have pains between their shoulder blades. And typically that's because they're carrying all the weight up here, right? What you really want to do is you want to carry roughly right 75, 80% of the weight on the hips. Mm -hmm. And we only want to get about 20, 20% up on the shoulders. If you can slide two fingers underneath your shoulder straps when you're fully weighted, you know, with that 30 or 40 pounds, that also will help give you a good indication. Okay. I've got this just a, pretty close to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll relieve the pain that they get. Growing up in Kansas playing football, we called them worm burners. I don't know if people recognize that or not, but where you get that pain right between your shoulder blades, you know, a lot of people complain about that. So that'll help with that. The other thing is we get a lot of people that have lumbar issues. Number one complaint, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Somebody that's over 40 years old is lumbar pain. So when we designed our, our hip belt, we really thought a lot about that. How do we, how do we help that? Right. Knowing that's an issue for everybody. How do we help that? So we came up with a two stage foam system that is fully adjustable so that, you know, our lumbar pad and you felt it, it's, it's a robust pad, right? You can actually fold that down. And let's say you're like, man, this is just, this is, I'm not going to carry 70 pounds. You know, that's just, that's not who I'm going to be then you can change those foams out. You could like right now it's, it's either a one inch or a half inch. It's a one inch on the, um, the integrous frame. We send that out with a one inch and then we send a half inch out with the Invictus frame. So, but you have total adjustability to customize that lumbar, which is super important to get that lumbar comfortable. Um, so that kind of that combination, when you think about that, getting it up off your shoulders, being able to get it to set right in the right area on your hip belts. If you can kind of get all of those things working in your favor, your, your comfort level is going to be tenfold to somebody that, that hasn't taken the time to do that. So talking about the, the hip belt specifically, where do you want that to sit? I've always been told the middle of the hip belt to be at the top of your hip bone. Is that correct? Or what is, what is true for your packs? I would say that's a good starting point for sure. Um, now with our lumbar pad, the way we designed it, you can float it about an inch and a half upwards of two inches. You can actually pull it down. If you wanted a little, write it a little bit lower, you can slide it up. If you wanted to write a little bit higher, I would say start exactly where you said, Courtney, and then fine tune it, tweak it to your back that, that feels most comfortable. Um, you know, packs that have a fixed lumbar pad. It's really hard to do that, right? You can't move it up. So then what they try to start doing is moving it up and down off the shoulders and the whole thing moves. That's not te- technically a really good spot to be in. 
you want to be able to just adjust that lumbar, have a little bit of play. But I think starting exactly where you are, what you said is, is spot on. So say I have my hip belt around my waist and it's buckled and I've got that 30 pounds or so in it and my shoulder straps kind of seem to be where I want them to be. But then I try to adjust the sternum strap and it's lower down on my chest, especially talking about, you know, a female, Mm -hmm. if that's riding down lower, is that an indication that the shoulder straps are not where they should be? Or the sternum needs to maybe be adjusted. If you, if you can, you know, move the sternum, slide it up a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say it's a perfect indication of it, but it is an indication, right? Um, when, when we designed our shoulder straps, what we saw a lot of people do is what they tend to do is they'll buckle them. This is any shoulder straps. They'll buckle them and you'll see them. They just pull that thing as tight as possible. And you watch those shoulder straps come in. Well, the way they're designed, they're actually designed to fit right here in this, in, in the shoulder pocket. So we just, we, we encourage people, Hey, just do a straight line, right? Start there and then fine tune it, tweak it to what feels best for you. But just pulling it to where it just pulls everything in tight typically will cause more problems than, than, than help you. My next question about fit is, and I feel like there's a lot of varying opinions on this is where the shoulder strap should actually be at the top of the shoulder. You mentioned be able to slide two fingers under the strap. I've mm-hmm. also heard recommendations of even having it up to an inch off of the top of the shoulder. So it more connects with the anterior part of the shoulder instead of the top. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your opinion and advice on that? Yes, yeah, so I, I firmly believe that that two finger approach with friction, right? If it's just two fingers sliding in here, then you've got everything on your hips. And that can be really tough depending if you're going uphill or downhill, right? And that's, so I would just say two fingers with slight friction, right? So that it's there. Um, to me, we have found that that proves out to be the best. Now, the other thing I will tell you, depending on if you're going uphill, I may tighten this down a little bit lower or a little looser, you know, just depending on, on what I'm doing, depending on my load. If I'm going downhill, I might tweak it a little bit differently as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly playing and maybe that's, you know, just my DNA. I can't sit still. Um, but it, I, I find that those little tiny, tiny micro tweaks make a huge difference in, in comfort level long-term, especially if you're doing like you did a marathon hike, right? When you're out there that long, that many miles, those little tiny adjustments make a huge difference. The other thing I would say is too, back to the shoulder strap piece. When we designed ours, um, we wanted to give the, the, the individual, the opportunity to raise them up through load lifters. So on, on the, um, the integus frame, we actually have three load lifter spots. So if you're somebody like my height, right at five, six, I'm not going to be all the way up on the top. I typically would be on the lower side of things because you want about a 30 to 40 degree angle on those load lifters to give you the right angle of supporting and bringing those up for you. Um, where, you know, somebody that's that's taller, maybe somebody that's six four, six five, they're gonna need to be up higher. So we've got the ability to do that. And I would encourage people to think about that when they're looking at packs is do I have the ability to adjust here as well? So if you kind of get those different points from the hip belt to the load lifters to the torso length, all of those working in your favor, you're gonna have a much more comfortable pack. Well, that's really interesting. And I've never heard that. So that's a great reference that that load lifter hits that 30 to 40 degree angle. Can you um, just give us a little bit more for people that don't know what the load lifters purpose is? 
Sure. So it does a couple things. It, it One, it will bring the pack into the upper portion of your back. And that's something that, again, I see people that grab their load lifters and they pull them as tight as they can. And you just see that whole pack just go like that. And now what they're doing is it, it's forcing them over this way, especially if you're doing glassing where you're looking up, right? So you want to bring that up to where it just makes contact with the back. And that'll bring that load closer to your back, right? Which is important. The further the load is away from your back, the more you have to engage your core muscles and it forces you. So you're doing this, you're fighting and you're going forward. So you want that just up against your back, you know, not ripping it down, but just comfortable. And then it also does, it, it literally lifts this up a little bit off of your shoulders. So when, when we're fitting a pack to somebody, that's the last thing that we have them do is the load lifters, right? Because now we have them stand up straight. They got the sternum. We're going to pull this in to where it just brings that straight right up against their back. And that's our goal. And then mm-hmm. from there, right, we can tweak this here to where it's it gets it exactly where we want it with weight on it. Perfect. And you bring up some really good points, too, about just depending on how long you're out there and what kind of weight you're carrying, you might continually be adjusting the pack, you know, maybe just kind of micro adjustments, but that will relieve depending on if you're going across maybe a boulder field or if you're going uphill or downhill. Um, I notice for me, if I ever start feeling like I'm getting this shift side to side in my pack, it really works my core. It works the stability, stabilizing muscles in my legs a little bit more. And so I want to make sure that that's not rocking side to side. Um, I do want to carry some of that weight through my, my shoulders, but, um, great points that you bring up there on how to fit that, that correctly, just to, uh, to kind of recap the Invictus is the female frame, correct? Correct. Yes. And that's a 13 to 17 inch. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, would that be something that would be suitable for men that are on the shorter side as well? Or is that specifically only for females? No, it, it will. And also with youth, right? With kids, you know, that was another thing that we would see a lot is, is, you know, we would hand our, our packs, our old packs down to our kids. And, you know, it's really way oversized for kids a lot of times, you know, tr- tr- traditional packs. So it'll definitely work with kids. It'll work with females. It'll work with, with, with males. Um, now, I will tell you, when we designed the, the frame, we built it more around a female structure, though. I will tell you that. It's, so the curvature is slightly different, but it's minute in comparison. Um, when we tested the, 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 the female frame, um, we had it on probably more than 25 women, I think, when it's all said and done. And, and there's a lot of variation there in, mm-hmm. in those 25 plus women. Um, so we also tested it with men and we tested it with kids. And, you know, it kind of covered the full gamut if they had that smaller torso. Right. And we just found like that was really the sweet spot was that 13 up to 17 um, fits really, really well in there. Now I can tell you mechanically how that frame is built, what goes into it, the number of layers, the reinforcements, exactly the same. So it's going to be as sturdy as the other frame is. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. Um, So one of the other most popular questions that I hear floating around is what size of a bag do I need for, you know, each day of the hunt? Is there like this magic formula that people should be focusing on? Yeah. So that's, um, I would say there's no secret sauce um, (laughs) that says this is the perfect formula, but I will tell you, you know, I look at it as number of days, right? So if I'm going to go out for one to three days on a hunt, 
then I don't need a big 6,000 cubic inch bag. I can get by probably with a 2,500, 3,000 inch cubic bag. So when I do those one to three nights, I'm running like our 2K system, which is the bag by itself is just 2,500 cubic inches. I can throw the lid on if I need to get another 500 cubic inches plus out of it. So one to three, that's a perfect range. If you're going to go more than that, say four to seven days, you're probably going to need something in that four to 5,000 range. Just because what changes in that equation typically is the amount of food that you're carrying, right? That's typically what really changes. Um, and some clothes, you might need a few extra changes, just depending on how gamey you want to be. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I would say for, for up to seven days, then I would say something in that range of four to five. If you're going to go past the seven days, you're going to need something probably, you know, 6,000 and greater, right? Kind of what you're experiencing, right? You bought the 6K with the lid, everything, that's that's right around, I want to say, 6,800 cubic inches. And so for somebody that's going, you know, on a 10-day dull sheep hunt, right, you're going to have a lot of gear. If you're going up in Alaska, you're going to need warm clothing. So all those things, you're going to need a bigger bag to support that, plus 10 days of food. Um, and that that's kind of, kind of how we built it. Now, I will tell you, our system, it's modular. So we can take a bag off. And the frame and suspension stay exactly the same, and I can we can put a new new bag on. So it's it's a system, a modular system that allows you to be flexible depending on what type of animal, how many days you're going. You can interchange it and do all those things, which is nice. So is it pretty common that people have uh, a multiple multiple bags? Then yes, very much so. We have a lot of people that you know have all the different size bags that we have because they have that flexibility to be able to, to interchange them and, and customize it so that it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody's going on a one or two day hunt to try to carry the six K, you know, there's a lot of wasted space there. So, um, the two K option would be perfect for them, but yeah, I, I think there's quite a few folks that, that they look at as I'm going to tailor it to, to, to my needs. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of one of those people that tends to just run my more expedition style pack for all of mm -hmm. my, all of my hunts, whether I'm setting trail cameras or I'm going out shed hunting, I just empty the sucker out, take exactly what I need and I'll, I'll still carry it around. But I know some people, you know, don't want to, I don't know, have the extra bag size maybe for moving through different pieces of terrain. But, um, for me, I, I kind of tend to lean on just having that big bag. Um, mm -hmm. I am very guilty though, for the last, I don't know, five, six, five years, I think I've, I've had a 5,000 cubic inch pack and I've tried okay. to pull 10 day hunts out in the back country with it. And, you know, you and I kind of touched on this originally, but my load becomes so horizontally, you know, centered off of my back that I have this big lean forward. And it, if you think about that, where's that leverage point? If you're stacking the weight off of your body, that leverage right. point is going to be on the spine. And right. I mean, I've had so many miserable moments where I'm just going, why don't I just get a bigger pack? <laughs> you know, just a little yep. more space. Um, the other thing I can, I think that you can find with that and, and it's, uh, you know, everybody to each their own, but the bigger the bag, the more crap you end up putting in it. So true. you so do kind of have to, you kind of have to rein it in just a little bit because you have the space doesn't mean that you necessarily need to use it. Right. Very true. And I'm guilty as charged on that. And that's why a lot of times I'll run just the 4k. Um, even if I'm going, you know, for a longer, and then what I'll do is I'll put all my food 
sandwich it between the frame and the bag, just like I was carrying out an elk cord or whatever. Perfect. And then that way, you know, I've got, I've got plenty of room to do that. So, but yeah, I, um, and the nice thing about with bags today, I mean, they're lightweight, like a 6K, our 6K is just right at two pounds, right? The, the whole bag. So it's super light and you can fold that up next to nothing, you know, through the, the compression straps and, you know, condense that down to what you actually need to use. So, yeah. I, I kind of think that that might be an area that more novice or beginner people tend to overlook is what that original pack weight is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some companies that have, in my opinion, pretty good bags, but they're heavy. You know, right. you start out an, another pound and a half heavier than comparable bags. Um, so that is something that I think is important to note. Definitely what that, that empty bag weighs. Absolutely. No ifs, ands, or buts, right? As I think about some of the packs I've carried over the years, some of those packs are up around eight, nine pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of weight over 20, 30 miles, you know, over time. That really does add up. So, yeah, absolutely. That that starting point's critical um, to be able to bring that down as, as much as you possibly can. You know, it, and you're, you may be the same way. I'm to the point now where I'm counting you know, ounces, you know, for how many calories I'm going to be, eating, you know, burning. Because yeah. the older I get, the more I realize, man, if I can shed a half a pound here, a quarter pound here, you know, over time, that all adds up to significant weight, mm-hmm. um, which just makes it a little bit better in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. So I'm somebody that tends to be pretty hard on my gear. Um, yeah. I don't baby things. I kind of beat the crap out of things. And uh, when I'm in Oregon, I'm hunting in you know, the typical rainforest, thick briars, you know, downfall, windfall, that kind of stuff. Um, outside of that though, I'm wondering, is there a best, you know, what would you recommend for kind of keeping up with your pack, making sure you get the most life out of it? Is there any treatment that needs to be done or maintenance that you would recommend? Yeah, there is actually. Um, so, you know, if, if you're successful and you have the opportunity to harvest an animal, there's going to be blood that's left behind, right? And that's going to be on, depending if you're using the meat shelf or if you're just using the bag. So we, we would encourage people, you know, after you have a successful hunt and there's blood on the materials, just turn our p- products inside out, turn the bag inside out, throw it in the washing machine on a delicate, run it, and it'll come out brand new. Um you know, so over time, at least once a year, I typically will turn all my stuff inside out, throw it in the washing machine and just give it a, a cleaning. Right. And then I just let it air dry and it does fine. It, it'll, it'll just help pull that blood out of the materials, which over time just seems to break down things a little bit more so. Um, so we do encourage people to do that. Outside of that, there's not a lot of maintenance on on the product. You know, we use a 500D True Cordura and it's it's a fantastic proven product, um, highly durable. Um, so I think if you just do those minor things with it, you'll get you'll get the maximum life out of the bag. Anything to note on the frame with it being carbon fiber and having those other materials? Is that going to be something where you want to keep it in a controlled temperature when you're not using it, or anything to that degree? With our carbon, you know the the types of materials that we use, um, even our core. Um, you have nothing to worry about. You, you can throw that thing in 120 degrees and it's going to be just fine. You can throw it in 20 below and it's going to be just fine. Um, we've got a wide range on, on those, on, on the frame. So there's really not a lot of maintenance and care that you need to do on the frame. We do a lifetime unconditional 
warranty on our product, uh, on our frame. So if, if the frame, if you ever had any issues with it, it's no questions asked. You know, we, we firmly believe that this is an investment. People are investing their hard-earned money. We want to give them the best product, and we're going to stand behind it. So we put a lifetime warranty on that frame. Awesome. And made in the USA. Made in the USA. Pretty cool. Well, yep. Joe, where can people find you? And I know that you mentioned you have some YouTube videos. Direct people to the right spot. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, I'd say go to our website, just initialascent.com. Um, pretty much every one of the videos that we use, you can link off of there. We've got a video section. Um, we're also on Instagram, you know, Initial Ascent. Um, we're, we're, we've now started down the whole thing on TikTok as well. Um, so yeah, if you could go check us out there, we've got a, we've got a YouTube channel as well, where we do have, you know, all the videos in one central hub, so to speak. There's a lot of training videos in there. Um, we try to make them short because we know everybody's busy. So if you, if you had questions say on how do I attach the, uh, the hip belt pouch, we've got a video that shows you how to do that. Or how do I fit the pack? We've got a video that does that. So great, great tools of resource there for you, whether it's our pack or others, you know, if it'll help somebody out man, go check it out. We want you to be as comfortable as you can out there so that you can enjoy the great outdoors. I love that you have those resources because sometimes you'll find a company that just puts their product out there and then you kind of have to figure it out on your own. But yours seems to be very detailed where people can get all of the ins and outs to use it properly to make sure that they're comfortable and packing out those heavy loads as, as well as they can be. That's our goal. We want to make it as much fun as enjoyable because we're a firm believer, you know, getting people in the backcountry, getting the opportunity to go experience those kinds of things. You can't describe it. You can try and pictures give you a sense, but until you're out there and you see that initial sunrise for the first time, dude, I got goosebumps. Look at that. I'm, just thinking I'm about getting that. them. I'm literally getting them right now as well. No, it's a, it's a special place. I think being out there, it, it, it humbles you. It inspires you. It speaks to you in ways that I don't feel like you can get when you're just close to home. You know, I think you got to really branch out and step outside of your comfort zone. And, and actually I, I, I think about that quite often. It's funny because the most awful hunts I've been on, the ones that have tested me mentally and physically beyond what I ever thought I was capable of have given me the most confidence that I've ever been able to, to muster up. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this inspires people to, to get geared up and to head out. And, uh, we appreciate your time so much. Thank you for your information and for your, um, professional, um, expertise in this area. Uh, we'll definitely be sending people your way, Joe. And, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great, Courtney. Enjoyed catching up with you and visiting with you. And yeah, just, uh, appreciate what you're doing as well. Making it a point to connect with, with an audience that, a lot of people just haven't given the right amount of time attention to. And if there's anything we can do to help anybody, you know, um, that's looking for a pack system, questions, whatever, whether it's ours or anybody else's, we're just here to help you in any way we can. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.